Oh, oh, so what you're trying to say is you want to leave like to fucking get going. <laughs> I mean, if it's possible, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Jesus Christ, you leave me fucking sitting out here for fucking an hour. And then all of a sudden it's just, oh, let's, how come we're not fucking podcasting? <laughs> <laughs> Well, fuck my hat. It's you guys again? Come on in. Come on in. Don't be shy. Pull up a chair and sit next to Mr. Brown. It's warm there as a result of the vast amounts of hot air he evacuates. Welcome to Seaside Pod Review. The world is a scary place filled with arrogant imbeciles, but no worries. Sit back, put your feet up, and relax. We're talking queen. Brand new angle, highly commendable. Seaside Pod Review. I was bowling tonight, Randy. You know this. I was bowling tonight. I was, I was out there being a well, I was out there being, I was gonna say I was out there being a stud. I bowled like shit tonight. I just about pulled, I just about crawled over hundred in the last game. I mean it was it was bad. I I really bad. like I really like that you're trying to put the words bowling and stud in the same sentence. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, there's a dude there who has the he has the um the comb over the um the kingpin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It all comes down to this role. Roy Munson, a man child, with a dream to topple bowling giant Ernie McCracken. If he strikes, he's the 1979 Odor Eaters champion. He's got one foot in the frying pan and one in the pressure cooker. Believe me, as a bowler, I know that right about now, your bladder feels like an overstuffed vacuum cleaner bag and your butt is kind of like an about to explode bratwurst hey you mind i wasn't talking when you were bowling was i talking out loud was i sorry remember there was a comedian years ago that made a joke about uh, they're thinking of putting curling in the uh, olympics and he said he was really didn't really think that was a great idea because that was open the door for a real possibility that his father could be an Olympic athlete. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking beer and smoking a cigarette and pushing <laughs> the rocks down the ice. I'm surprised it isn't. Isn't it? Well, it it could be by now. It is, isn't it? Went to uh, well, a, it could be, yeah. A pretty fucking be. deadly show on Sunday night, Mr. Woods. Who, you and I together? You and I and your and your wife and my daughter. I have no recollection of such a thing. You have no recollection. Well, you know what I'll do then? I'll try and recollect you a little bit. I'm going to play you a little clip of a song. So I guess maybe, first of all, I'll sort of tell our, our faithful listeners who uh, who we went to see. Um, the gentleman's name is Michael K. Sammer. He is a jazz boogie-woogie. I'd say more boogie-woogie than jazz, definitely. I think it doesn't do that much jazz, really. Uh, certainly no sort of free-form jazz, particularly. Um, pianist with gigantic hands and, and a singer. Uh, and he played with a three-piece. It was himself. Um, a drummer, uh, sorry, a four-piece himself, a drummer, a bass player, and a sax player. And I'd never, I've never seen him with a sax player. I'll say this too, boogie woogie, yes, but there's a lot of big, big nasty jazz-like chords in there. Oh yeah, which might scare some people, <laughs> but uh, I would say don't be alarmed, and just and just listen. <laughs> She knows how to rock and roll, just be crazy. Things are not going to 
Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> so, yeah, I would say to anybody, if uh, Michael Casehammer comes in your neighborhood, uh, you've really got to go see this guy. He's absolutely an outstanding performer, great with the crowd, uh, an amazing piano player, uh, lots of energy, so great. Uh, I, I'm sure he's a, would be a crowd pleaser just wherever he went. So, yeah. What a band see. too, hey? Oh, an amazing band, amazing band. Yeah, it's, it's that thing of, you know, when you go and see rock performers, and there's some great rock drummers, Roger Taylor among them, um, but they play, they don't play the same way that these jazz guys do. No. And so when you're, when, you know, like me, I mean, you listen to a lot more of this stuff than I do. Um, but when you go, when I, if you're really rooted and steeped in mainly in rock or sort of, you know, let's say Western sort of, you know, pentatonic kind of stuff, you don't hear the type of stuff that these guys play. And this guy played a, what, like about a two, three minute drum solo. And he was playing just like, this is Buddy Rich level stuff that he's playing. And he's just nailing it. And it was just incredible. And you said, like you said, the sax player was, you know, I mean, just God level, absolutely elite level players. Uh, yeah, that, that drummer was playing some uh, amazingly complicated rhythms. Yeah. Where where you know <laughs> unless you're unless you're really keeping track you would you would swear he wasn't he was doing something completely different but yeah uh absolutely outstanding band uh and they i, I know they he, he tours europe too so it's not like he definitely uh, does yeah not like it's not like he just plays in north america uh, yeah and this guy's he's from like he lives he's resident in um victoria and vancouver in british columbia in canada but was born in germany and i'm pretty sure he does tour reasonably regularly in germany and we do have some people who live out in germany please do check him out um the last thing i'll say on that maybe is that you know one of the things that we were talking about randy after the show and we, we've talked about lots before is if you're going to cover a song i'd always rather hear someone do something with it and take it in a different direction mm -hmm. you know because a, a straight cover is great and if, you, if you're a if you're a queen tribute act then you've got to do it straight and if you're a bar band you're probably going to do it more straight because people are familiar with it but when you're at this level of musicianship taking it the way he did and putting all those crazy little triplets and runs that he's doing and, and the left-hand stuff that he's playing on the piano, it just makes yeah. it, it, gives it, it gives it a different look. It makes it it's a different song almost, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely it does. And uh, uh, yeah, he really does. He really, he really can turn things to turn things around and, and, and make you think of the song in a different way. Right. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Really great. I'm going to post a little video that my daughter got um, on our Twitter account because I really wanted to show Pank. I think Pank would love this guy as, as a piano player and Pank's, a, you know, mm. an obsessive piano player. Um, so my daughter got a, a bit of him playing sort of a, I think it's John Brown's Body. Um, mm. It's his version of John Brown's Body, which just floors me every time. And she and she, she had a pretty good view of it. So um, mm. I'll send that out on tw Twitter so you guys can see a bit of case, Anna. Yes. All right, let's get to, let's get to the business that we are here to biz. Hmm. So as always, Taskmaster tonight, aren't you? I'm just on it. I'm on it, mate. I'm, I'm producing like a motherfucker. Have you hit record? Oh shit! Let me check. I am recording. Yes. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, we will not have to redo this at one in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so as always, we put our poll up on Twitter and Facebook, and then we always in the episode try to guess what the outcome of the poll is. So. Do you remember your guess on this one, Randy? What you thought the poll might come back as? You, you thought I, you'd gone extreme. I, I have no I have no recollection of that. Sorry. You said seventy eight twenty two. Oh yeah, it's true. Yeah, well, gave me. But I'm sure you've won, you fucker. I said ninety ten. 
Oh, fucking suck. I'm getting really good at this. You suck fucking dirty donkey balls, man. I've got to say, it's getting a little fucking sickening. And then the way you gloat, too, really is what makes it really the worst part. I don't mind giving people a win, but okay, anyhow. So uh, it's on the poll. It was a Twitter poll. Uh, It was champion 90.3% to 9.7 biting the dust. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Brown was right. You know what? There's there's no winners and losers in this, Randy. You know, there's just there's just a bit of fun on the internet. It's just a it's... poll. Simmer down. <laughs> no one gives a shit that I've guessed it close. Like I'm not even getting really? it. I didn't get it dead on. <laughs> <laughs> really gets my dander up. <laughs> I love that expression. <laughs> Where is one's dander? <laughs> I don't know, but mine's up right now. God damn it. You make me feel so bad. Then you hug me and you kiss me and you smooch me all day. Together. All right. Well, uh, midwife Nikki says, absolute stone cold champion. In contrast to the film, a Frenchman is a Scotsman, a Scotsman is a Spaniard, and acting so wooden, it has dry rot. Its only redeeming feature is the music. Still watching every time it's on cars. One, I love a bad film, and two, New York, New York. Enough said. So you won't get that reference, but there's a there's a, a bit in the in the movie where Freddie sings a little bit of New York, New York. But... Kyle Anderson says, champion, beautiful song. And here's something for your discussion about rear orifice insertions. I did not watch that clip, but it looks like, is it a reference to, uh, to Ass Man? It's, yeah, Seinfeld. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, Kramer being the, the Ass Man, yeah. Ass Man. <laughs> ass Man? Yeah, Ass Man, Jerry. I'm Cosmo Kramer, the Ass Man. <laughs> Who would order a license plate that says Ass Man? Which, uh... And like I said, you know, I, I pointed out to people that perfect for your keyboard player. Yes, uh, the keyboard player in my band, who I played with for somewhere around eighteen or nineteen years now, his name is Jeff Assman, and uh, he is so accustomed to people making <laughs> jokes that he's ju- it's just like he's just he's Teflon. It doesn't yeah, just, you can just say whatever simply you doesn't want, care, <laughs> and it just rolls off him. It's actually wonderful <laughs> to see it. Actually, it's quite amazing. Well, we should we should quickly though, because we you know this, this is obviously in reference to the um, the emer- last week's emergency question, which was if you had to be anally violated by a popular chocolate bar, which chocolate bar would you choose? And uh, we we had we had we had, we had a quite an in depth conversation about it, Randy. You know, we we laid some uh, groundwork out, but we had thirty three votes on the poll that I put up. Um, Coffee Crisp, as expected, came in last at three percent, but there was still obviously one person who voted for this sick bloody person. Twix came in next at twenty four two point two percent. Cabbage fingers at 27.3. And then others, you know, when people did specify a finger of fudge, we had a cabbage flake, which we talked about on the episode. We had, you know, a whole bunch of things. So I think it generated some, it's just some positive conversation about what chocolate bars can go in where. So. Sure. 
It's just, I just don't know about this whole business, man. Okay. <laughs> I'll wobble you off. Vote a champion. Decided on a different way of listening. I see what the song's been chosen. Decide my vote. Then listen to you and Randy so that there is no bias in my vote. Very good discussion between you, uh, you guys every week. Keep it going. So yeah, hey, thanks, Paul. Uh, and I would just like to think that maybe, you know, maybe maybe we could influence, you know, because Kev, Kev's actually an influencer. I'm not sure if you guys knew that or not. Oh, God, don't call me that. You just are. The, you're just a, the you're, worst you're, fucking people on the planet. You're a content creator and you're an influencer. Oh, dude, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you hate me? <laughs> I'm going to use it. According, according to my reset line, you are a thief of joy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Alex Small says, I always think that Brian singing the first verse sounds like him singing to one of his kids to get them to sleep. Beautiful. It's a champion through and through, and anyone who disagrees has cloth ears. And I do like that, that idea that he's singing to one of his kids. It, it, it does have that sort of wistfulness to it that I, I was like, yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but I thought about that yeah. before, but that's pretty cool. You're right. Uh, Steve at Queen Rock says, an absolute gem of a song. It's my wife's favorite Queen song, and I love listening to it with her, especially tonight at Madison Square Garden. Damn, does Adam sing the hell out of that song? And he's got a great shot of uh, him and his wife. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really nice shot. Thanks a lot, Steve. Taking them. I'm jealous. Madison Square Garden. I, I mean, that's one, you know, it's a bucket list venue to go and see a show. I think it'll be phenomenal to see a show there. Me too. Uh, Stephen Russell says, I'm with Kev, the Queen expert on this. Shivers down my spine every time. I don't listen to it often because it's almost too overpowering. Great song, heartbreaking and beautiful. Obviously not about Freddie but it feels particularly poignant now with him dying so young. Yeah. Alice's dad. Uh, this for me is the best Brian ever wrote. In my top five Queen songs, it's almost perfect. The blend of Brian, Fred, and that orchestra. It just works brilliantly. 110% champion. And that's more than 100, ladies and gentlemen. And Dieter at My Chameleon Day says, this is a champion. It's clear as day. One of Brian's best songs and a highlight on the Magic album. It's oh so beautiful, fragile and powerful at the same time. 11 out of 10 for me. Wrong podcast, I know. And by the way, I will just add that <laughs> out of 10, 11 does not exist. It's just same as the 110%. I, you know what, Kev? Maybe uh, maybe some basic math skills for the for the Queen pod. Have maybe you? We should start, we should start with some basic <laughs> math skills at the top of the show for everybody. The, the, the Seaside Pod Academy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Randy. Uh, Hast thou not heard of the electric rock band Spinal Tap, whose yes. amplifiers verily went up to 11? <laughs> yes, yes, I do. Uh, Ian Winnick says, if I were to title this episode, I'd call it Synth and Sensibility. I mean, come on, that's pretty fucking good. Nice. Maybe I need to just, I need to contract this out to Ian to write all the, uh, yes. <laughs> the, the blurbs for us. Um, he says, my thoughts are pretty much the same as Kev's. A prime cut of Late Queen. Beautiful transition between Brian and Fred's voices and Toblerone at the bottom of the list <laughs> in terms of insertions. Um, a champion. Assuming, yeah. a, a champion, unlike the movie. No, said, like, yeah, there's some people who love the song and don't particularly care for, uh, care for Highlander. So, yeah, well, hey, teach their own. Justin Fotheringham or Jay Foth. What a great song. Perfect for the movie. Another Brian Champion. 
fun fact, Roger was bluttered while making the video <laughs> and didn't really like being there. Uh, thanks for another great week, gents. Uh, thanks a lot to Jay Fod and uh, bluttered. I mean, I know what you mean, but... Uh, but I never oh, you never heard that one before? No. I, I, oh, cool. <laughs> Absolutely bluted. Hat racked. You know, just... Yeah. Done in. Uh, Doug Curran says, just trade Connor for Maria. And Heather for Tony, and you have the death scene, music and all, in West Side Story. Derivative though it may be, Who Wants to Live Forever is still a bit of class on a Queen album that could have used a whole lot more of it. Champion, and I'll be perfectly honest, I've never seen West Side Story or heard it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to claim cultural ignorance there. And, and I didn't actually listen to it yet, which I really should have done. I've got to start listening to more of the, people, the links that people send. Um, so I will go back and listen to that, Doug. Um, Doug Seabus, obviously, that is. Um, and I'll get back to you on it. Uh, yes, you should do that, Kev. You've let everybody down. Paul Bradbury, uh, very close to being my favorite Queen song, more or less perfect, especially the ending. Some of the chord choices in that section are magnificent. If you're dusting this, you're beyond help. And then he's got a shot of the Highlander there. When that's you commented on that too, right? We we talked about that orchestral bit at the end and the the ever ever de you know decreasing downward progression. Yeah, it's just beautifully arranged. Like it's an excellent bit of uh, composition. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Queen Rocks at Queen Rocks Australia says the boys nailed it here. It could have easily tipped into overwrought territory, but it's delivered with just the right level of restraint to make it beautifully poignant. Spine tingling vocals from Fred, a great magic tour number, and Adam's live renditions do it justice too. And yeah, I'm 99% or 95% sure I saw Adam Lambert perform this one live when I saw him in, in Saskatoon here, and he did a hell of a job with it because that guy's voice, he can like he can make his voice soar in the way that you need to for, for this song. Nice. Um, Black Pie says, champion, the right side of emotional without being overblown. When Brian gets it right, he's bob on. His guitar break always reminds me of Clapton on Edge of Darkness, also by Cayman. And Randy, Yamaha also do a great line in guitars, like my two Revstars. Uh, hashtag sponsorship pending. Revstar, <laughs> you, ever, you know you know Yamaha Revstar, Randy? I don't. I, I'm not, no, I'm not familiar with that. I, uh, I play Fenders mostly, so, uh, uh I, I don't. No, I don't. Yeah, I do not own a Yamaha guitar, but I'm well aware of Yamaha guitars. They, uh, Yamaha, well, I, I do believe I responded. I said, hey, Yamaha, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let other companies make stuff too. Oh, yeah. So Kev's brought up a nice photo of a Yamaha Revstar. Yeah, super great looking guitars. Yeah, I it's love it. Almost got a Rickenbacker type of yeah, shape, a little bit, right? But kind of their own thing still. Yeah. Yeah. Neat. Yeah, very cool. It's got the same placements as a Fender for the volume and the tone and stuff. And yeah. And a double humbucker nice. like a Gibson. So a bit of a, a bastard child of everything, I think, there, hey? Yeah, yes. Yes, except I think it's a single. Oh, is it? That's okay. Yeah. Rob Marr says, whatever else Brian has done in his musical career, statues should be built of him writing this song. <laughs> when he gets it right, he is an incredible songwriter, a stone-cold champion. And Fitlight photographer Ruddy Rutherford says, as a Scotsman, I love this film. I don't care about the accents nor the nationality of who plays what. By the way, Connery plays an Egyptian, <laughs> not Spaniard. Be still, for God's sake. You'll tip us over. So? I cannot swim, you Spanish peacock. I'm not Spanish. I'm Egyptian. You said you were from Spain. You're a liar. And this song destroys my heart every time. I, I'll light a little candle for you, my bonnie wee Heather. Top tier queen. Thanks, Ruddy. Um, Lisa Malloy says, I know I'm going to be in the minority here, but it's a dust from me. Never liked it and never will. And from an album I rarely listen to. And she took a bit of heat over that. 
you know, very sort of polite and 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 restrained heat, but but oh, heat polite, polite heat, good, polite heat. <laughs> Darren Halliwell says, "Champion, absolutely beautiful song, one of Brian's best." Sean Geek at the Sean Geek podcast says, "Definitely a champion for me," and this one feels like a bookend to the show. Must go on. These two songs take shots at the nards and knock you down until you're weeping like a baby. There, <laughs> these were the songs where I stood back and took notice of Queen. A Celine Dion ballad feels like weak versions of either <laughs> of these songs. No one has ever come close to singing with his emotion and telling the story within the song better than here. Well, uh, you know, I, I th- that could be debated. I, I would oh. say the possibility that people might debate that. But but it's it is it's it's it's, it's wonderfully done. Yeah, but Celine Dion, I mean, come when well, let's put out there right away that she is a very good technical singer. She could sing the curtains off of your front window, my friend. But I don't give a shit about anything she's ever done. <laughs> this is the problem because I don't does think it, she has. Yeah, doesn't yeah, do it yeah, does it does it does it mean that she's not an amazing singer? Does not no. And uh, and she is uh, crazy 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 lady. Kind of a nut bar, but yeah, so. not she's not cool, man. She's been Celine Dion too long. <laughs> when when one has been Celine Dion for as long as she has, one becomes more nut Celine. Bar. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lynn Davidson says champion gives me goosebumps every time I hear it, uh, which is exactly what I said, and genuinely it does. And Richard Hearn says, all I'm going to say is, if I was in love with Paul Lambert. Um, ex-Celtic midfielder and ex-Aston Villa and Ipswich manager, I would want to live forever so I get where Brian May, played by Heather in the film, is coming from, champion. So this Randy, obviously not something you would have um, picked up on. In the episode I'd said uh, Paul Lambert played the, the, titular, uh, the titular role in Highlander, where actually it was Christopher Lambert and Paul Lambert is a, an ex-soccer player, is a manager and so there was quite a lot of um, uh, laughing at my expense about that, which and again, I mean, you make a mistake like that, of course you're going to get dragged over the coals over it. Chrissy at Waters of Love, champion. It's epic, somber, and rocks when it wants to. It also makes me emotional as hell. And I think uh, Chrissy might be a first-time, uh, first-time caller, long-time listener. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, but yes, thank, thanks, Chrissy. I think maybe Chrissy actually was uh, someone else supporting. I'm, I'm sorry if I get this wrong, but I think she said that she'd given us a listen early on, but and just didn't really like didn't 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 love it. And it's come back and now I sort of got into which is again, yeah, we're not for we're not to everyone's taste. We absolutely recognize that. Um mm. and of course when when I you know the second episode at the gate when Randy's dusting the prophet song, it was it was touch and go with some people. We understand that, but we are thankfully <laughs> some people have persisted and we've got them back. So we're all good now. <laughs> fucking hell. I'm never gonna fucking live that down, am I? Prophet song for you, 39 for me, man. We're never getting yeah, out from under it. That's right. PJ at New Mercury says, I want to comment on how awesome this song is, but instead, I'm going to use my limited character count to ask Mr. Randy, how dare you diss November Rain? I would expect more, but you dusted the Prophet song. But really? Really? Oh, I mean, very really, PJ. I mean, very yeah. really, Randy and I uh, have a mind on this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do believe I did respond when I said something to the effect of, <laughs> I, I will not disclose my true feelings on uh, Guns N' Roses. Just because uh, I'm scared of the consequences, and I'm a people pleaser. Well, I've been through this such a long, long time, just trying to kill the pain. Ooh, yeah. But love, the love has come, my love, the love has gone. I know it's really sure, it's already gone. 
Rob Hatton says, this track is a thing of beauty. Highlander is one of my all-time favorite films. So naturally, this is a top-tier number for me. I love the contrast between Brian and Freddie's vocals. Spine-tingling moments aplenty. Plus, it leads on to the awesome Gimme the Prize on the album. Very nice. And Which is a super interesting bit of sequencing, too, because we haven't done Gimme the Prize, and I don't think that's a song that you'll know, Randy. It's a very hard-edged, I mean, almost heavy metal more than even, like, or certainly hard rock. So that contrast between those two songs is, is very, very cool. Nice. And Jim C. Curtis Sparkle says, I'm joining Lisa in the minority. Twaddle. If it happens to come on when I'm listening, then I'm skipping. Then again, I never listened to that to that crappy <laughs> album. Fair enough, yeah. Jim. What Queen were done for Jim in sort of after the game, I think that was that's that's Jim's cutoff. He's, he's established yeah. that and he sticks to it, and <laughs> I, he's just completely wrong. He's, he's a heartless, soulless man if he doesn't want this. Williams Wendell. Again, I think another first time I seeing the wood in the trees. Uh, one of my two Queen favorites. Other one is Show Must Go On. For me, it's the combination of music, lyrics, and raw emotion. Never seen the film though, so again, dude, like go watch the film. When you get to that scene, I I just dare you not to become emotional because I, again, I, I was barely holding it together on the bloody episode, man, which is crazy because I'm a 50 year old man talking on the internet to my friend, and I was I was welling up. So Dominic Pierce. Great song, classic movie. You need a heart of stone not to be moved by blah, 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 blah sequence champion all the way. What will, uh, well, uh, <laughs> who wants to live forever? Who wants to live forever? <laughs> I don't know why we just can't fucking write things out like the old days. <laughs> David E. Wilson says, Champion, it's deceptively sparse, this song, but it soars and dips in all the right places. Beautiful. And as a hormonal 16 year old when this was released, it hit me squarely in the feels. Still fucking does. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> yeah. We're all crying, Dave. We're, we're all crying. Uh, Brian Crozier, champion. Brilliant. Still brings a tear to my eye. End. Very succinct. And Harry, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Hussey. We've been saying Hussey and he hasn't corrected us, but I'm going to go Hussey and see if he corrects us and we'll find out. It says the album, A Kind of Magic is in many ways typical of much of Queen's output in the eighties. It's uneven parts of aged badly. And some of the songs are lackluster. Hidden among the 80s production, however, some gems can be found, and Who Wants to Live Forever is amazing. Champion without hesitation. Aaron Mullen says, obvious champ, no doubts, quibbles, or questions. The more intriguing discussion was around the emergency question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who wants to live Fredo, perchance? Uh, and we did, Aaron, have to look up what a Fredo was, and it, it, looks, it looks wide, and I'll have no part of it. Steve Russell at Ubuntu, sorry, who's this 12% who are rating anything other than champion? The mix of Freddie's vocals and Brian's guitar solo, just beautiful. And the Rush Rash podcast, Jesus, that there are any downvolts, fucking heartless. Um, and I've actually started listening to the Rush podcast, Randy. It's a, it's a wheeze. They're doing the same thing that we are. And obviously the same thing that and the podcast will rock does where they're spinning the wheel and they're going through the entire Rush catalog. And, you know, you and I, I think are casual rush fans i thought i think that would be a reasonable mm -hmm. you know a reasonable yeah. sort of thing um and i think that i i think november i'm going to be guesting on that show so it's gonna be a lot of fun steve jones uh champion now for your spotify statement go fuck yourself i'm a north american <laughs> queen fan since 1975 bought the magic lp upon release and queen has always been cool i'm saddened to be lumped in with the twats that think otherwise <laughs> i accept your apology <laughs> Well, you know, I'm not sure, Steve, if, if Kev gave you an apology, but I didn't. So uh, you still got a beef, buddy. 
Well, I think we were talking about because you know because it, it, it didn't chart in in North America, and kind of magic really didn't do well in North America either. Which again, I mean, it's an uneven album, but it should have done better than it did. Um, so I sort of we we were joking around and it's oh, it's just because you know North Americans have no taste. And Stephen's taking offence to that, and, that, and fair enough, Stephen. Fair enough. Apologies, <laughs> apologies on your way from me at least, if not the Cardinal. Yeah, oh yeah, no, me too. It's it's you know what, honestly, it's Kevin. It's not me. <laughs> Okay, we're on Facebook. Um, and the Facebook poll, actually, before we go any further with that, we got 29 votes, and it was 89.7% champion to 10.3%. But it's just so, again, very much in line with Twitter this week. And Twitter and Facebook usually are, you know, probably about five or six or seven points out quite often. Um, so it's good to see the, you know, with the things that, as, as more people start to vote, the the, the spread starts to even. There's something about mean, median, and mode and averages. There's something about mathematics. We're doing mathematics again. Back to the Seaside Pod Academy. There you go. Paul Roberts says, enjoyable and entertaining pod as ever. Thank you so much, Paul. Um, well out of Queen by this stage. Sentimental slush fest. Kev, Echoes of 39 here. Are you liking this because of your memories of it or cold light of day listening? And I said, Paul, definitely I do have that sentimental attachment, attachment to it, no question, um, and the sentimental attachment to its place within the movie. But regardless of that, I also still love that song. I just think it's a fantastic bit of work. Um, I love the lyrics. I love the the, the orchestration in it. I think I think it's fabulous. So. And yes, he's definitely uh, voting from his heart, ladies and gentlemen. That's uh, I will say all of that after he said that because Kevin is full of shit. Michael J. Smith says, <laughs> uh, "Randy Woods just heard lacrosse has been included for the 2028 Olympic <laughs> Games. Could we bring maybe time to bring back the weekly lacrosse chat this week?" Uh, yeah, so yeah, lacrosse dog. Maybe that's something we have to get back into. <laughs> Brian Delaney says, I always tend to forget about this one when listening to the best of Queen songs. Definite champion, melodic, poignant, and beautiful. So Michael actually then comments on the song and says, how can it be anything other than a champion? Emotionally delivered vocal when Brian sings, then powerfully and emotional delivered vocal by Freddie makes this song soar. And Russell Watkins says, champion, beautiful track and one of Queen's finest from the 80s. Although it was Highlander themed at the time, I now think of Freddie when I hear the lyrics, and of course you're going to make that association, right? Um, yeah. We, we, we sort of put those layers, that, you know, even if we come to a song that was written in the 60s when we're, you know, 10 years old in the 90s or early 80s, you can sort of apply your own um, your own feelings over top. And that's the, we talked about Universal Truths on this one and on a, you know, a, a, your guest appearance on my Tom Petty Project podcast, we were talking about that, Randy. So it's, it's, it's a powerful way of writing a song. Wow, yes, yes, indeed. James Lawrence says, absolute champion, much better than the Prophet song. Uh, the piano version, Forever, is beautiful too. And I'm not familiar with that song, but uh, thanks, James. And Patrick McCarthy says, champ, absolute peak, sad Brian. I'm grateful you played the real ending because the music video uh, I know has it chopped off with a fade out. Also, you made me cry real tears with the Highlander clip, with uh, <laughs> which interrupted my work ethics, <laughs> which... Uh, Sorry to laugh at your pain, but, but I do find that slightly funny. Just on the treadmill, all of a sudden, you know, you're just working hard, you're sweating, and all of a sudden you're tearing up, but oh, fuck, and you got to turn it off, have a little cry. <laughs> Root Seegers, champion of champions. This one is on my eternal playlist. A question, though, how can someone who's a Greatest Hits fan not know this song? It was on Greatest Hits 2 in the Netherlands. We actually have three Queen Greatest Hits, although three was a bit of a weird selection with some very sad remixes. Does every country or continent have a different Queen Greatest Hits? And what does this say about the Greatest Hits theory introduced in Good Omens? Now, okay, so we'll address um, the Greatest Hits issue first because Randy and I were talking about this a little bit offline. 
the re- to me the greatest hits album is the is the black cover with the four on four of them on the front. It's got a red box on it. That was the one that was released in England. That's the one that I know. It's not got Keep Yourself Alive on it, which some of the North American editions do. Um, and I think the Canadian version is the same as the English one, which is what you had. So that's greatest hits. Now, greatest yeah. hits two was released a lot later. So it, it just so obviously Randy just didn't didn't get that album and he, and he wasn't listening to Queen the same at that point. So. You know, Rudy, you just got to be, you know, a bit, bit chill, dude. You know, <laughs> but the the Good Omens um, thing, Randy, is so the Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett book, Good Omens, which was Neil Gaiman's first book, and now it's been dramatized. You know, it's in a, it's a, I think Netflix or Amazon or something. Fantastic t- uh, show. Yeah, I watched. So it. the theory in, in Good Omens is, uh, given uh, a long enough period of time, uh, if you leave a CD in a car, it will eventually turn into Queen's greatest hits. So that's that's the theory because just because it's, it was so ubiquitous, especially in Britain, right. right? So yeah, right, right. Okay, there you go. Gotcha. Serena Shemeka, champion all day long. Enough said. And Donica O'Quive says a champion, a right old party all the way to Kashogi. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. There you fucking go. Kashogi ship. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Uh, Pepin Ullman says, "Who?" And he's again correct. I think we said Pippin last time, last week. I'm pretty sure I I screwed it up and said Pippin. So, which I think is again a musical character. Which I apologies, Pepin. I shouldn't do that. Says, "Who doesn't champion this? Either has no heart or hasn't lost someone. If the latter applies, cheers, mate. If the first applies, go fuck Donald Trump or whatever." <laughs> oh, that's a horrible, uh, horrible visual. <laughs> uh, for me, the song went from "Wow, nice sentiments" to "Heartbreaking tearjerker" when my wife's brother committed suicide. Um. Very sorry to hear about that, uh, Pepin. Uh, some weeks after that, we attended a beautiful and strong gig of the Dutch Queen tribute, and when they started this song, we were in tears. It was a sad but also a soul cleansing moment. Thank you, boys, for this champion. And and then and I mean, but and that's beautiful. And, and again, that's where that very real human connection to music. It, it's what part of what makes us human. I think is that that ability to create art that moves other people. Because you know, there's no other species that really does that in the same way. And but then he goes and ruins it by saying, "P.S. I do like November Rain, though." Like fucking hell! <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> oh yeah, it's okay. It's okay. That's all right, all right I guess. But well, that's no, our socials. No, it's a terrible that's... song, but it's okay that he likes it. <laughs> it really is a bloody awful piece of modeling crap. Mm. Apart from, as I've said on on social media somewhere else, that I think the second solo that Slash Slash plays is fantastic. Because it's Slash, and Slash is a very good guitarist, and it's a great little chord progression that they use, and he plays a wonderful solo over top of it. But other than that, yeah, I mean, what a pile of tripe the lyric. Good lord. Oh, anyway, yeah. let's let's get off November Rain, Randy. Yeah, let's let's yeah, because I I feel like we're gonna offend people. So, oh, I don't care about that. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> I'm just joking. Well, we're talking about Queen, Randy, and the way that we do that is we you know we we borrowed or franchise. A wonderful format from uh, our friends Corey and Mark over at And The Podcast Will Rock. And we've loaded the entire Queen catalog onto a wheel. We spin the wheel, and wherever the wheel lands, that's the song that we talk about. And we do a little bit of research before we start talking. Um, and then we listen to the song and talk about what we hear. And then at the end of that, we vote on whether we think it's a champion or whether it bites the dust. We put a poll up. And then I ask you a, a ridiculous question, and it just all goes to shit in the last sort of five minutes of the podcast. That's roughly what we do from this point forward. Huh. Seems weird. Seems like the first time. Hey, why don't you spin that fucker up? Well, oh, no, I guess we've got to talk, we talk about shit. we got to talk about I, stuff. I, hang on, I, kid. I, hang on, hang on, hang on. You son of a bitch. Listen to me this time. Fuck, I'm producing now. Uh-oh. What would you like to hear? 
Liar. No, you know what? Actually, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to pivot on a dime. How about that? I, I like, want to I like listen. That. We're going to go, but I still want to go. I want to be early Queen. I want sort of 74. I want sheer heart attack. Uh, and I want to listen to Flick of the Wrist. How about you? What are you in the mood for? Well, I just see it sitting on the list right there. And it's always been one of my faves. I'd like to hear uh, Bicycle Race. Ooh. By Sickle. By Sickle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. well, I'd be okay with that because it's jazz and we haven't talked about a lot of stuff on jazz. Yeah. I think we've done three songs, maybe. Oh, we've done four. Okay. Four, four songs there. on jazz. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, it'd be kind of good to go back to jazz, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see what the... So, we both want 70s, so we're definitely getting 80s. You know that, right? Yeah. Be- mm-hmm. Being that the wheel is a dick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And probably going to get a real fucking humdinger. You're going <laughs> to get something... Yeah, you know, an often often outtake from the from Made in Heaven or something. So, oh, okay. Well, we're doing back to back album episodes, Randy. We are getting the eighties. We're not getting the seventies. What are we listening to tonight? Princes of the Universe from Kind of Magic. I assume, maybe incorrectly, but I'm going to assume that you haven't heard this song. I'm not. I don't recognize it from the title. And so for those of you who are new to the podcast, maybe, um, Randy is more or less, we always say, kind of a greatest hits fan, whereas I'm a huge Queen fan. They were my band growing up, and so I know the catalogue really, really well. And so I always like to ask Randy whether he knows a song, if it's something I'm not too sure whether he would heard before. And so tonight, again, I get the great pleasure of watching my friend listen to a song for the very first time, a song that I know very, very well. Kevin Brown and Randy Woods. Princes of the Universe, uh, written by Mr. Mercury at three minutes thirty-two seconds, and uh, we've got just our normal guys on the uh, on all their perspective uh, respective instruments, recorded in Munich at uh, and Musicland and the Townhouse Studios in London in eighty-five. Written for, again, Highlander, so that's pretty cool we've got this. Uh, and the only real note that I thought was kind of interesting, Kev, was that it says uh, there was not a drum machine in sight, and uh, mm. we've got the boys rocking in full force. So I'm I'm quite excited to, to hear to hear how that goes. Yeah, and it's, I think, I think I'm right in saying that it's the only Freddie solo right on the album, I think, because mm. he wrote a couple with John on this record. Um, which when we get to those, that's going to be interesting. Um, but it's the only solo Freddy one, and it was also Prince of the Universe was also the working title for Highlander the movie, mm. and it was the theme song. So it's it sort of plays through the the opening credits, and I guess it was used later as the opening theme for Highlander the TV series. Um, it was released as a single in the US, as we find out, but not obviously not in the UK. Um, but didn't chart, so I think a, a bit of a disappointment on that side. But it's got a, kind of a cool video, um, which we'll see when we get there. And I bet you any money, it's called Princes of the Universe because when they were commissioned to write it, that's still what the show was called. <laughs> possibly, yeah. I mean, uh, quite I possibly, very yeah. Likely. yeah. Yeah, I'd say very likely. But, but it, that's just my fucking guess, and I know nothing. So it, it also fits too, though, because I mean, again, if you when you go back and watch the movie, you're like, oh yeah, of course, it, it makes total sense. It would have made total sense as a as a a title for the movie. Mm. I think Highlander's better. I think Highlander is more evocative. Mm-hmm. Um, and a bit yeah. more timeless, but Prince of the Universe would have fit with the the overall sort of 
tone of the movie. Mm-hmm. That's my Roger Ebert impression there. Not in terms of voice, but just in terms of horse shit that wow. he comes out with. Captivating. Captivating, Kevin. Here we are, born to be kings. We're the princes of the So it's some synth in there, you know, and it's got this big choral major key opening. Mm-hmm. Where do you think it's going next, Randy? Uh, if you had to guess. Well, I don't know, Kev. Maybe maybe to a minor chord? I don't know. Well, let's see. <laughs> So that's in the video. Brian's playing, I don't think it was quite a flying V, but it's the same type of body shape. Like a, I think Kramer does, does that kind of shape, and there's a few different manufacturers, but it's not his Red Special, right? So I'm mm. assuming that it is the Red Special on the record. Um, but I think he's playing a different one just for aesthetics in the in the video, maybe. Right. Oh. Yeah, I was actually looking at uh, watching John Deacon there, so I wasn't even ah. looking at his guitar. He's looking at a bit of Deakey love here. That's right. He was probably thinking the whole time, oh, man, wish you could play more <laughs> notes here. <laughs> here we are, we're the princes of the universe. Here we belong, fighting for survival. We've got to be the rulers of your world. It's funny because it's it's got, you know, it is a hard rock and it sounds like an 80s hard rock song for sure, like the production aesthetic in it. But it's got like, because there's so much movement in it. And again, this, this song does bounce around into different tempos and, and different bits and pieces and different sort of chord progressions, which that's a little bit more akin to like Queen 2 era, where it's, it's you know, it's only 355. It's not a super long song, but it's a bit more in that sort of epic range than a kind of magic. Or One Vision, mm-hmm. or some of those kind of more pop songs that they were writing at this time. Right, right. Did you hear it, Randy? Did you hear it? I no, I no, I <laughs> I'm not making that connection. But but I'm only a minute twenty three in, so I don't know for sure, man. And there's here's the Egyptian. There's the Egyptian. Nice, nice. Riding in on his white stallion. Pretty big, nice it's double big. double time change in there. You know, it's got some it's balls big. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They went from there. Yeah, they're playing full time, man. That's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's big. It's epic. 
You're right. Short song. Epic. And it's got, you know, now we've got the the famous bit in the video, which is, you know, again, sort of written in the in the Queen folklore where Freddie's fighting with his, you know, his half or a quarter mic stand, his famous sort of, you know, the, <laughs> the gimmick that he had. Now he's fighting with the Highlander with his, uh, you know, his, his broadsword. So it's, it's, I don't know, man, it, it's cheesy as fuck, but I think it's super cool. I always loved it as a kid, you know. Well, what else would Freddie fight with? What, you know, what would he yeah. do? He's got, it's got to be his, his uh, mic stand pulled from the base. It has to be. <laughs> I mean, just, just on that, just though for a second, though, like, it's funny, hey, because I know in the Queen movie, they, they sort of brought in this idea that Freddie was struggling with the, with the mic stand at a gig and, sort of accidentally pulled the mic out and then just went with it. And I don't know if that's apocryphal or true, but regardless, it's a great it's a great little gimmick for a singer, hey? You know, Stephen yeah. Tyler has all the, the 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 sort of the bandanas and things draped off his mic and different singers have different bits and pieces that they do theatrically. But Freddie he was he was able to use that that mic stand so creatively as part of his performance that it just added to what he was doing on stage. Well, I will add this, and I've only done this just a very, very handful of times where I've been asked to get up and sing, and I'm not playing guitar. Yeah. And I just don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know where to put them. Yeah. I don't know what to do. So you can see why he would he he would love to have that to hold on to, and because then it's got it's, he's got something something to do. Yeah. When he's not when he's not singing and when he's singing. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's actually it's actually brilliant, really. I mean, and I think it's been emulated since and with other vocalists absolutely uh, i can't say who but I, like, I, like i mean i know what i'm just not saying is what i'm saying <laughs> no that's not true i don't know <laughs> no, so again i mean from queen what you want from a queen song a lot of the time is key changes Tempo changes, different sections, and they're packing a lot of stuff into this song. Mm-hmm. They are, you know what I mean. A, a, a lot of Queen's eighties output was was very static. I would say it was very sort of you know verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus. So it was that kind of framework where they'd settled into a bit more of a pop sensibility. And I think this is one of those songs that takes them. Like I said, this is where I was thinking that it it takes them back to that sort of more early proggier route to me. Yeah, although it's it's really a long way from a prog song. For sure, but, for sure. But but yeah, there's, you know, uh there again, my it's only my first time through. So yeah. uh but it does sound like there's a couple of, you know, different sections. I'm not exactly sure how many sections yet at this point, mm-hmm. but yeah. Well, we got some good stuff coming up. You're a guitar player, Andy, we got some good stuff coming up. Let it go. Pretty fucking good, man. <laughs> there you go. That's yeah. That's uh, that's 
you know, how, however long that clip was you played, 30 seconds, whatever, that's like, that's Queen in 30 seconds, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Come, and then you come back in with the, the Queenie vocals with yeah. Lodge. And I'm, I'm presuming it's probably all of them, but yeah. When again, we talked a little bit, you know, right at the top about Brian. Uh, Brian's playing a different guitar in the video, but I'm pretty sure that's the Red Special tone. It fucking sure sounds like it to me. I mean, you know, not yeah. the early 70s tone, but it's, you think it might be a different guitar? It could, it could be. Yeah. could be it's hard to say it hard, it's hard to say and i didn't get a really good look at his guitar but yeah it's, it's a flying okay. v or a flying v copy that he's playing yeah. in this in this video for sure yeah which are uh are, are nice guitars to play but you cannot sit and play them well i mean <laughs> you kind of can but it's not as pleasant as it could be <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're, they're standing uppy guitars they're performance guitars right so. they're exactly exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like that ending. Yeah, because we've talked lots. We we actually just talked about, again, I, I had Randy on my uh, Tom Petty project and we recorded that last night and we talked about fade-outs and we talked, and we talked about it on this podcast about whether we sometimes think that fade-outs are a bit of a cop-out. That's a great ending, I think, because you don't expect yeah. it either. I don't think you expect that. I think that usually you think, oh, they'll probably just fade this out now and or Brian will play a bit more of a solo or something. That's I think that's a super cool ending. Yeah, yeah, great ending. I think uh, I think maybe we should listen to this uh, this entirety, and then we can talk. Here we are, born to be kings. We're the princes of the universe. The princes of the universe. There we go, Randy. Princes of the universe. I don't know. I just did a James Hetfield. Horseshit thing, the princes of the universe. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Gonna go to the store, get some <laughs> smokes. I'll be right back. You know, everyone can. Everyone, most people can do a Sean Connery of some description. Everyone can do a James Hatfield. <laughs> mm. That's all you got to do. Oh God, that's funny well, to me. So anyway. I'm fairly, I'm fairly sure mm -hmm. it's your turn to vote first. So Kev. Uh, Princes of the Universe. Is this a champion, or does this bite the dust? Well, think about this, Randy, and just try and guess. You're transparent, um, Brown. You well, knew, I knew it. I knew I, it. You're less so. You're sometimes a little bit opaque on some stuff, and I know that. We've had songs in the past where we've, as we've been talking through, you've said, oh, yeah, I really like that and I like this. And then you've sort of said, well, but it still falls on the wrong side of the champion dust line. So I'm not, I'm not sure where you're going to go with this. For you, is this one one of the champions or does it bite the dust? Dick.
He likes to build tension, ladies and gentlemen. He likes to keep me guessing and make me suffer and squirm in my seat. I also was 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 a little unsure what I was going to do. So. Yeah. So you're really sort go of ahead, fit- go ahead, go ahead, because you're 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 far more yeah. verbose than me. Let's let's hear your take. What you by that? Way, that's a polite way of saying you do go on. <laughs> well, <laughs> you and you're 100 right, and I apologize. You, you do go on. <laughs> I do. That's I what know. You, if that's what you'd like to hear it. <laughs> I'm such an look, asshole. Oh no, no, dude! Look, I edit these things. I'm and seriously, I'm like, oh, fuck! I gotta, I need to find some way of cutting more of me out and like, so there's at least some sort of, you know, it's like you know, thirty seventy Randy to me. That that would be at least you know better than fucking ten ninety. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, for me, it's you know, is it top table queen? I, no, you know, it's it's not in that sort of territory, but. I think it was a welcome break from a lot of the sort of sludge isn't quite the right word, but a lot of, there was a lot of mediocrity in the eighties with Queen um, post the game for me, and so this was a, a good sort of return to yeah, they can still write a fucking rock song, and it's Freddie writing a rock song too, right? So you know you would probably I think if you didn't know that Freddie had written this one, you listen to it, you'd probably think oh, that's probably Brian because it's got lots of guitar in it, it's got a big riff in it, it's heavy. You probably wouldn't think that that was Freddie, so I like it for that. The harmonies are just fantastic, like you said. You know, there's, there's parts of this where you think, well, like, only Queen do that. It it only sounds like yeah. Queen, you know, and, and anyone yeah. else trying to parody it would still then sound like Queen because of it. Um, a, a fantastic lead vocal from Freddie. Again, so powerful. You know, it's, it's that thing where you, where you realize that this guy could really just belt out the notes. I love um, that bagpipe, bagpipe drone bit. That, it's just, it's tense and dirty and kind of like unsettling so i've always loved that bit but and then you get that big pick slide which queen you know brian doesn't do a pick slide very often but you get that pick slide into the chorus which i think right. is just great and like as you said then you come back out to the chorus into that big you know the big the big vocal. Oh, sorry in the, from the solo into the into the big vocal. so there's so many sort of transitions in this song and there are lots of different sections but they're, they're not jarring i don't think they they all sort of they're all written very very well and they all flow into each other i think excellently how about you, Andy? What what are you sort of your overall overarching thoughts about it? Yeah, so I I, I would say I agree with with you know with with most of what you said. In particular, I think Brian's solo is really quite cool and kind of really quite creative, and it, you know it's kind of does the uh it's it's a bit of a one note solo, you know, which yeah, you know, which I, I kind of like. And of course, yeah, I mean the the thing is that we just know Freddie can sing anything and everything, so we just kind of forget how awesome he is. But of course, yeah. it's great. And 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 really good point that if if you didn't know you would say oh yeah yeah probably brian wrote this one yeah especially given that solo because he, you know he was like oh fuck i got this fucking solo i should write a fucking song around this you know <laughs> uh but that's not the without the case and then yeah then it, then, it, then it hits those really really wonderful queen moments so but but i'd say beyond that like and and yeah it's it's rog playing which is is great and uh, we didn't talk much about John Deacon here, but uh, he's not really doing much. There's not really a, a ton required for no, him. No, no. This song, which is with my little crack at the start, where he's just like, "Oh yeah. man, I wish I could play some more, some more notes." But I was just gonna, just gonna add that it's not a course that I'm left walking away going, "Oh, now I'm singing. I can't get this course out of my head." Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't have that. It's not an earworm, which of course every song doesn't have to be a fucking earworm. But 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 it's just not so it's it's not that I think it's a bad song. It's just it's just not my favorite song. 
Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's over, it's over the, the line. And uh, I, w- I was, I was joking. I was, I knew I was going to vote. It was a champion, yeah. but, 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 you know, but it's not, like I said, it's not, you know, it's not keep yourself alive champion or, or, or whatever yeah. level of, of, you know, hundred percent queen songs for, for whatever it is for, for you individually. So if that makes any fucking sense, that's, uh, that's kind of the way I feel about it. Well, that's a good point too. Cause I, I'd never really, I don't know if I'd ever thought about it in the terms that you just put the, about the chorus. I think that maybe the chorus of this song is the weakest part of it. Yes. Which is unusual because your chorus should be your hook, right? Yeah, and it's, I would say and it's so. An unusual sort of instance of Roger Taylor really just playing four on the floor on the kick. And it sounds yeah. good. Like his drum sound, you know, he's, he's, you can hear the toms in there. I was going to say to you, with John, we didn't talk about John a lot in this song. I don't know whether that, I don't know whether it's a great mix of this song. And Kind of Magic does get sort of, that's one of the criticisms a lot of Queen fans have is, it's not a brilliant mix, and you don't really hear John in this. Well, there's no there's no definition in the bass, that's for sure. Yeah, because you can't you can't pick it out and say, oh, hey, there's John doing a run. Uh, and and there again, which I, you know I just just said is that, I, but I also don't think there's really a ton of room for him to do much. I mean, no, for sure. You know, so so but but you know, a testament to his professionals because he always just plays what the song needs. And and you know, for my buck, that's those are the best musicians. You know. You have to, you know, leave your ego at home, put it in a suitcase, you know, wrap it up tight, leave it with somebody safe, yeah. and then go and record your song and 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 take advice from 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 people who have have maybe have some perspective and 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 so you know I think you know he's he's the consummate professional and and that's you know that's why he's had an amazing career that he's had. I think that is one of the things that makes Queen Queen too, though, because you had four songwriters who had very you know, very strong visions about what they wanted from their songs. And so they were always relying on the other three members of the band to play for the song and to have that trust in, you know, Fred, don't go overboard with the vocal. This is this is what I want and be able to trust that Freddie would do that. Yeah, John, mm-hmm. all we need all we need here, John, is just literally just sit on the root notes. That's, yeah. that's all the song needs. Or Brian, yeah, I don't need a solo there, man. Or just tone it back a little bit. You know, so mm-hmm. I, think, I think that that, I always get the sense, that, you know, and of course, obviously there would have been collisions, there were famous bust-ups in the studio about, those types of things, but at the end of the day, they always managed to find that thread to to make sure the song was the the most important thing. Um, yeah. And I think this is I, again. I mean, if if I could hear what John was doing, I would, I would I would love it. I think it would be better. But again, there's so many cool things about this song. Like you said, that solo, even though it's a, even though it's a one note solo, where, where he's just coming off almost like we talked about Chuck Berry the other day. Like it's not Chuck Berry esque, but it's in a, in a way it is because he's not playing a ton. Yeah. But he's, he's picking really quickly and it sounds bitey and, and attacky and very aggressive. And it, that's exactly what the song needs. Like if you played a blues solo here, fuck, it just wouldn't work, right? It's a hard rock song. So, yeah. 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 Good point. So, we didn't talk a lot about the lyrics in this one. And it's one of those songs from Highlander that there's a couple of songs on the, on the, on the record that they really only make any sense in the context of the movie. And this is definitely one of them that. You know, here we are, born to be kings of the universe, uh, born to be kings with a prince of the universe. Here we belong, fighting to survive in a world with the darkest powers. You know, <laughs> we talked about, you know, who wants to live ever has got universal truce on the pin in it. Well, this one doesn't. I mean, no one's really relating to this, right? You know, we're not, we, we can't relate to gods and monsters at that level. So it's a song that's written lyrically for the movie. Yeah, and, and I can be a lot more forgiving of lyrics when when the song's commissioned. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you have to you have to give them some leeway, and you're right. It just it just feeds into the to the narrative of, of the movie. So uh, yeah, yeah. Whether it's yeah some universal truths or not, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. You know, there's yeah. no there was no lyric that I heard of this made me go like, ooh, ouch, what did you guys do there? You know, so yeah, yeah. It's funny that because now you said that thing about the chorus, and I've I've always like I said I've always loved this song. Because well, principally because I love the movie and I, and I do I like this song for itself anyway, but there was always something about it that I couldn't quite put my finger on that I thought I wish that was better or I, there was just something about it that kind of bugged me isn't the right word but I thought it was just slightly unsatisfying. And now that we've had this conversation, it's the chorus because it's just so straight and so obvious, and it's like the rest of the song is so interesting. Yeah, it's like oh, that's a bit let it know. down a bit. Yeah. So yeah. I had another thought here, Kev. So this was released in 86? The album was released in 86, yeah. Okay, so, and what was that, what was that uh, solo Brian song that we covered? What year was that released? Starfleet Project? No, 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 no. Oh, the uh, the, uh, Last Horizon? Yeah. That was 90, uh, Jesus, It's in the 90s, okay, okay. Okay, well, so I was just going to say, just, I'll just comment on that, because that's really what I was, where I was going was. Okay. So. Like in '86, these guys aren't—they're not young in their prime anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, but and so like you know, I I know exactly what the music like the music of '86 sounded like is what I was trying to say. Yeah. Uh, and and so do you. Whereas you know that that little song by Brian and I'm just I'm just singling Brian out sounds yeah. like he's chasing a trend. Whereas here it's these guys they're they're not chasing a trend at, at this point they're still like they're their own their own thing. Yeah, I'm not trying to conform to to what they feel is 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 of the era, and so it still has that very much a Queen sound that is, uh, is sort of un, untainted, if that makes yeah. any sense at all. Which totally. I appreciate, and and it doesn't sound like like I said, like a, you know, an old old man, you know, trying to you know write a a hip noodly tune, right? So yeah, and on a detail level, like there's, there's some stuff in there that. I noticed at the end that Roger's doing the, he's basically doing the fat bottom girls kick snare yeah. pattern. Boom, but chip boom, boom, but chip. He's, he's giving that sort of extra kick on the end. And then I love that when here we belong where the, we, the first bit doesn't come in on the one they lead it. And it's, it's on, on the, and probably of the, of the four. Right. So right. those little bits of musicality, I always, you know, and you're the same. Like mm. I look for those things in a song. Cause I want something that's just, just that little bit of sauce that you think, ah, that's clever. That's that's a nice little decision that they've made there to just to break it up and to move the song forward a little bit and to change it up from the last time they sang it. Yeah, well, I mean, ideally, ideally, your song when you're playing it back, you should it should change so that the listener can change with it. And 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 so if you're just listening to the to the vocals the first time, that first chorus, second chorus, third chorus, but then mm-hmm. through subsequent listens, you'll go, oh, hey. Hey man, I didn't notice they pulled the bass out of the third chorus, or they, yeah. the whole you know the, the structure of the chords are different, but it's the same melody. You know what I mean? It's all those fun little things that makes music interesting. Yeah, uh, and something that Queen does and and did very well. Uh, yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I I didn't think this is the song I wanted to listen to. We we both picked the songs that we wanted to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think ironically or not ironically, coincidentally, maybe that. We both did pick songs that are a little bit different and have different parts in them. And we got something like that where 
there were things to talk about in this song where it wasn't just okay, well, you know, you know, it wasn't Last Horizon or it wasn't a song that was just verse course, verse courses, a bit of stuff going on here. So that was that was interesting. And again, the the movements and the transitions were great. Um but overall, I mean do, do you think you'd ever listen to this one again, Randy? After you've championed it anyway, would Honestly? this make if if you had like if you were, if you were making a thirty five song Queen playlist, this probably doesn't make your Queen playlist, eh? Uh, doesn't know, <laughs> <laughs> but also a song that probably if it came on you wouldn't skip it. I imagine now you've heard it. No, no, probably wouldn't skip it. I'd probably say, uh, "Hey, we did this on the Queen podcast." Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sometimes I, I, I sometimes don't remember. I don't know if you remember you're on a fucking Queen podcast. <laughs> just like... I, I often don't. <laughs> you do know that we put this out, right? This goes out. What? To who? And well, who to listens? people who want to listen to it. <laughs> and who listens is what I'm saying. I think I think I think the the numbers that you tell me of the downloads and stuff, I think it's all just a, a ruse. <laughs> and you just want to have just... a you just want to have a beer. You just want to have a beer on Tuesday and let your let have your wife not harass you. <laughs> Don't fucking say that out loud. She might listen. No, she's never yeah, going she's to listen. She's never going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> let's be honest. Well, before we start, start wrapping things up and giving our final thoughts here, um, there is something we have to do, and that's try and figure out what are fantastic, and I, and I do mean this sincere, sincerely, the fantastic little community of people that we sort of kind of half inherited from the uh, lap pods guys, um, what they're going to say. And so we've both championed this, um, and I think it is my turn to go first, I think. It doesn't even matter at this point, Kev, you know, because I'm just always so far off base. Why don't you go first, and then I'll just copy you and just change okay. the number slightly. <laughs> okay, I don't think this one is going to be a slam dunk. Um, I, I don't think that it's necessarily one that is ubiquitously adored. And I think that it comes on an album that a lot of Queen fans don't love. So I'm going to say, I'm going to go seventy thirty. I'm going to I'm going to be a bit caging. I, I mean, I still think it's going to be champion, but you know, actually, no, I'm, going to, I'm going to, on the fly. I'm going to go sixty five thirty five because I think it's I think it's a, a two thirds to one third swing. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, go fuck yourself. I'll do seventy thirty then. Oh, you're going to go above me, okay? Yeah, that's right. You son of a I bitch. I think this one will be close. Then I think will this one will be interesting. And I think that the the you know the cardinal lovers out there, if you can rally the congregation, I think I think you might be able to swing this one. You know, it just is absolutely completely meaningless, and uh, it means nothing to anybody, uh, except that I would just like to uh, defeat Kevin <laughs> and his podcast <laughs> fucking dynasty that he's building here, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if you've noticed what he's doing. He's slowly, slowly taking over the podcast fucking network, the whole thing. Pretty soon, if you want to put a podcast out, you're going to have to pay Kevin. That's all I'm saying. And uh, I, for one, don't want to be any fucking part of it. <laughs> well, I mean, there are a few people who listen to both our podcast and the Van Halen podcast and, and the podcast will rock. And mm -hmm. Of course, those people will know that Corey Morissette is the devourer of podcasts we have the Corey morissette podcast universe the cmpu so i got a long yep. way to go before i get to that guy's level so you know fear, fear not good listeners we have said the name Corey morissette on this podcast more times than i think Corey morissette has said <laughs> its own name Corey morissette <laughs> so Corey morissette if you're listening Corey morissette go fuck yourself
Oh, hey, there hey, we go. No, no. <laughs> I mean that in the nicest possible way, Corey Morissette. In the cardinal way. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Corey Morissette. Hey, look, he's, he's a welcome part of our congregation. Of course he's he a is. good man. It, and I should. I, in, in, he's again, a wonderful, wonderful human being. A rare moment of sincerity. Corey was, is in a very similar uh, line of business as you, Randy. He does yes, audio he does, and yes. production and all kinds of things. And he just ran the, I think it's the Estevan Telethon. Which raised an inc- I mean, Estevan's what, 11, I think 11,000 people or something? Yeah, something like that. Sure. And they raised, I think, something in the region of like $400,000 or something over the course of a weekend for the telethon. Corey's a big part of that because he does the, you know, he makes sure everything's working and makes sure everyone's mic'd up and makes sure all the sound's good, which of course is very important in the telethon. So, you know what? Corey Morissette, all joking aside, is a fucking gem of a human being. And I love the guy. I concur completely. I, I was just kidding. Corey Morissette. Corey Morissette. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just bumping the numbers. You're gonna you're gonna fuck the algorithms here. You, you know what? When someone Google Seaside Pod Review, it's gonna come back. Did you mean Corey Morissette? It is exactly. <laughs> I think maybe it should become just like you know, oh, Corey Morissette. You know what I mean? <laughs> it should just be like a thing that we say now. You know what I mean? It's, it's like it's synonymous with just that's a recognized symbol of yeah. excellence in podcasting. Exactly. Yeah. You, you know, really I... Morissetted that one, Kevin. <laughs> You know, something like that. Maybe I'm on board, man. If we can we use Mario, if we, if we can get Morissette trending as a verb or a hashtag, <laughs> I'm fucking all over that. <laughs> okay, uh, fuck I, me. I, I got a question for you, Randy. Oh, for fucking the love of Pete, let's hear it. Okay, do you think thunderstorms were invented by NASA to muffle the sound of space battles? Uh, and do, do I believe that is the question? That's my question to you. Now, we should say that uh, right, Ray, go ahead. one of your band members, you shall rename Nameless, um, has a proclivity, a proclivity for believing some fairly outlandish things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one of, the, one of the popular conspiracy theories out there is that the moon is not a planet or, a, or a, you know, an orbiting chunk of rocket, but it is, in fact hollow and is a space station that's being used by various government agencies on the earth to uh, scan us. So with that in mind, do you think thunderstorms were invented by NASA to muffle the sound of space battles? So, but why would NASA need to muffle the space battles? And who is it? Who's fighting the space battles? Like, who is it? Is I don't it know. Planet, I mean, is it planet earth? You, you know, you know why I don't know, Randy? It's because fucking NASA's keeping us in the dark. They don't it's want us always, to know. It's always, it's always, always big space, hey? It's always <laughs> big, big space big, fucking keeping us down. <laughs> big space travels. Just, it's hurting, the, it's hurting the ordinary man. Oh, you son of a bitch. Okay, well, so, I, so the, the only real serious failure <laughs> in logic here, Kev, is that unless it's planet Earth fighting mm. and they're trying to keep us humans from, from being aware of it, then, then why the fuck would NASA know or care that uh, they're having space battles? Just imagine, Randy, if, if we found out that there were space battles raging, and every time, and literally, like if you think about how many thunderstorms there are mm-hmm. on planet Earth at any given moment, that they're just being, you know, projected into our ears by NASA, it, it would be terrifying because that would mean there were space battles raging in the in in our galaxy 20, around our planet on a constant basis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it would be terrifying. You wouldn't it get would, anything it, done. It would be it would be very terrifying, wouldn't it, Kevin? 
I will say, I will say this because you you need an answer, and my answer is of course they're not because the <laughs> logic is just so completely. I, and I, you know, I don't we even be willing to go there if you just said no, no, no. It's it's planet Earth, and we're fighting the Martians, and they're trying to keep it quiet. If you'd added that, I'd said then yes, they're definitely creating thunderstorms to keep planet Earth in the dark. But you didn't say that. Uh, and so, yeah, so it's, yeah, it, the logic just falls flat, falls flat on your face there. Okay, well, I, I think that once I put the poll up to find out what our fine listeners think, and I will say that they are far more, far more educated and informed than than, well, than cer- we. Certainly me, yes. Then I think you'll find that, you know, we are being lied to mm-hmm. by the, uh, by the what is it, the National aeronautic and space agency or something like that NASA yes, stands for something like that something around there um is, there, but there hang on a second though, but are these are they jewish space space lasers is what i want to know oh i mean well <laughs> there's there's a whole territory there of, of things you're, you're that scared, probably you're scared don't to touch get that into. <laughs> uh, i was just quoting uh i was just quoting uh marjorie Taylor Green. Oh well, I mean, she's just a fucking fuck puddle, you know. I mean, that mm-hmm. I, talk about a, a complete and utter waste of carbon. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't. I don't know what use that human being is to anyone at any time. So, man. She's she's breathing the same air as you and I are too, stealing your oxygen. I think we should tax her. I mean, I think if, if we have to, <laughs> I just think we should probably some sort of punitive measure to stop so her doing it. So we can see if we can get the Canadian government. <laughs> to impose a tax on a Republican <laughs> in the States. <laughs> Listen to us talk, hey. So I think uh, I would just add this. If uh, if Kevin and I just had a few more hours, and if you guys just hang tight with us, we can uh, we can achieve world peace. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but, you know, nobody's really taken us, us up on that so far. <laughs> No one, no one wants to hear our manifesto. Nobody wants to hear it. <laughs> Strange. Princess of the Universe. Not to be confused with Princess of the Night. Remember Saxon? <laughs> Likely not. Lots of Highlander talk the last few weeks, with one movie reviewer saying, don't go in expecting too much and you should be okay. If I were to title this episode, I'd call it Born to be kings, or possibly half a mic stand against the world. We genuinely appreciate your engagement, so you can find us on Facebook at Seaside Pot Review and on Twitter at Queen Seaside. And we would like to offer you the exclusive, one-time-only chance to check out the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Tell them Randy sent you. We'll be back with you next week to chat about this wonderful band. Kiss, Kevy. Seaside Park with you. Yeah, I'm just gonna grab a beer quick. <laughs>